0: The early church grew at a staggering rate. Right after Jesus died, we're told in the book of Acts that there were 120 disciples, 120 followers of Jesus, so not a large number. But fast forward around 300 years to the year 350 A.D., and you have 33 million Christians in the Roman Empire. Many historians believe this would have constituted a majority of the population. We think there were around 60 million in the Roman Empire in 350. So 33 million are Christian. And this doesn't even take into account the spread of Christianity outside of the Roman Empire in places like Arabia and Persia. The early church grew at a staggering rate. And so one of the questions you have to ask when you, when you look at the early church is how did the faith of a tiny and obscure group of people from the edge of the Roman Empire, how did their faith come to dominate Western civilization in just a few centuries? There's a sociologist named Rodney Stark. He taught uh, down at Baylor in Texas. He's retired now, but he wrote a book called The Rise of Christianity. And in this book, he tries to answer this question. And this is not a Christian book. This is a sociological study of the early church. But as he looks at the historical record, what he argues is he says there were at least three ways that early Christians were different from their neighbors. And he believes there was these Three differences that were were critical or instrumental for the rapid growth of Christianity. So, first difference he talks about is how Christians responded to epidemics. We know a few things about epidemics and pandemics these days. And the Greco-Roman world did as well. Uh, In the Greco-Roman world, there'd be times when a disease uh, would sweep through a city or through the empire. And when this happened, it was was terrifying. For example, in the year 165, an epidemic swept through the Roman Empire. We think it's the first appearance of smallpox in the West. But whatever it was, it was lethal. And it's estimated that a quarter to a third of the entire Roman Empire died in this epidemic. So, when a disease came into a city, it was, it was terrifying. And what happened a lot is that people would abandon family and friends who were sick. And they would try to get out of town if they, if they had the means to do it, to save themselves. But not the Christians. Stark argues that the Christians stuck around in the cities, and they stuck around to care for the sick and the dying this profound act of compassion and service. And of course, many times, Christians caring for the sick would catch the disease and die, but many times, those who they cared for would survive. And the fact that the Christians stuck around had a profound impact on them and on others. So their response to epidemics was a witness to their compassion and courage In this witness, it attracted people. That's the first difference. Second difference is the way that Christian martyrs died. As we know in the early church, there were times of persecution, times when Christians were put to death unjustly. And the very fact that Christians were willing to die for their faith, and often these were public deaths, but the the fact that they were willing to die and not recant it gave Christianity immense credibility. People saw that these people were dying for what they believed. There must be something there. And in their deaths, they did not respond with violence. They often died publicly praying for their persecutors. So their deaths were a credible witness to the faith. And then the third difference, and I found this one to be the most interesting, he points out that at the height of the Roman Empire, Rome had conquered all the nations in that part of the world. Nothing like this had happened before. And so for the first time in that part of the world, all the national borders were open. The the nations weren't against each other because they were subjugated. And that meant for the first time in history, the cities of the Roman Empire became fiercely multi-ethnic. He had all these people living together, mixing and mingling for the first time. And Stark argues that the Christian church was the first institution in the history of the world who brought people across these barriers and said publicly that race doesn't matter. There aren't cultures that are superior over others. And so what happened is Christianity created these intense communities, the the local church, that transcended race and culture. And this type of community was incredibly attractive. So Stark, when he looks at the historical record, he argues these were the key differences. And it made people look at the church and say, I want to be part of that, which led to this incredible growth in the early years. Now, of course, when we think about these differences, there's another question, an underlying question to answer, and that is, why did the Christians behave like this? Right? This compassion, this fear, uh, sense of courage in, in, in the fear of death, this equality and inclusiveness, this forgiveness. Where did it come from? What was its source? Today we read from the book of First Peter. That was our New Testament reading. And in that reading, Peter gives us the answer to this question. He tells us the source of these actions. I want to read to you the first line first verse of that passage. It's a beautiful verse. Peter says, "'Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. By His great mercy, He has given us a new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead.'" Read that one more time. "'Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ.'" By his great mercy, he has given us a new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. So Peter is saying that he has a living hope within himself. It's not just a hope. It's a living hope. It's, it's, it's active. It's alive. It's alive. And Peter says that 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 living with this hope, having this, his experience of life is so different now because of it. So different than before. So different that he can almost say it's a new life. He's been born again because of this living hope. And then he says, this living hope, what's where does it come from? Well, it comes from an event and that is the resurrection of Jesus. You know, when we, think about, when we think about the resurrection, it's important for us to remember that Christianity is first and foremost a proclamation about a historical event, an event that changes everything. On a secondary level, of course, it's a, a way of living, it's a philosophy of life, but at its heart, at its very center, it's the proclamation that God has done something. He's done something in history. He's acted. And what he has done is he has brought Jesus through death. He didn't revive Jesus, he didn't resuscitate Jesus, he brought him through death itself. Death did not have the final word with Jesus, God did and that act of resurrection it has changed everything if you look at the old testament the whole dynamic behind the whole the old testament is that god is a faithful god he's faithful and therefore what god has created he will stand behind god loves what He has created. I think about my children. Uh, I have three children, they're all teenagers now. But when they were younger, I can remember they, were, they would always bring home uh, crafts or projects from school. So it might be a snowman made out of cotton balls or a house made out of popsicle sticks or a, a drawing uh, that was filled in with uh, dried pasta. They would bring these little crafts home, and of course, Trish and I, my wife, we would say, oh my gosh, that's amazing, and then we would save them. We would keep them. Well, it is 10 years later, and we still have all this stuff. And every time I try to clean out the arts and crafts closet that we have, do a little spring cleaning, every time I do that, I face a rebellion. You know, how, how, how could you even think of throwing away the snowman I made when I was four? That's important. We, we have got to keep that. I don't, I don't really know how we're going to get rid of this stuff. Here's the, the point, though. My children, when they made something, they loved it. They loved it when they made it, and they still love it now. And God... Well, God is the same way. This is God's creation, and God loves it. And God refuses to allow death and suffering and violence, those things we see played out across the world, those things we see in our lives. He refuses to let those things have the last word, to win the day. Again, we're told this over and over again in the Old Testament, that God is going to stand behind his creation, that even though this world and we have taken a wrong turn, God promises to step in and fix it, to restore it, to redeem it. And our reading from Isaiah had a great example of this. Isaiah, he's looking ahead into God's future. He says this, He says, God is going to do a new thing. He will restore the heavens and the earth. The former things will not be remembered. And then he writes, No more shall the sound of weeping be heard or the cry of distress. No more shall there be an infant that lives but a few days or an old person who does not live out a lifetime. They shall not labor in vain or bear children for calamity. There are lots of promises like this in the Old Testament, and at the heart of these promises is, again, God is faithful to His creation, and He will stand behind what He has made. Now, in our gospel reading, when we hear about the account of the disciples encountering the resurrection after the crucifixion of Jesus, they are shocked the word that the gospel uses is amazed, and they have no idea, no clue what this means. But then they remember the promises of the Old Testament, the prophets, and they begin to realize that the resurrection is the beginning of something. It's the beginning of God making good on His promises. And as they begin to understand this, they were filled with hope, Hope from what the resurrection means for the world. Here's an illustration that I think helps. Imagine that I took a big pile of dynamite and I piled it up by the altar. And then I got a long fuse and I laid it down in the center of the church all the way back to the baptismal font. Then I knelt down and I lit that fuse. As all of us watched that fuse burn. We would not say that the lighting of the fuse was a past event. No, instead, the lighting of the fuse is a kind of present event, and it already contains its future. We know what's going to happen. The dynamite is going to explode. And that's what the resurrection of Jesus is like. It's the lighting of that fuse. And our joy on this day, it doesn't come from the lighting of the fuse itself, but rather what it means about what is going to come. Easter is the proclamation that something has happened and that something has already decided our future. That's the living hope that the early Christians had, that Stark writes about. The reason why Christians stuck around in cities during epidemics to care for the sick and dying was because they weren't afraid of death. They knew God loved them and that God would bring them through death itself. The reason why they were willing to die for the faith and refused to judge their accusers is they believe God would do this, that God is going to make everything right and that they would be vindicated. And we're almost all pagans believe that every nation had their own God. Christians believe that there is one God over and that He is creating one people from every tongue, tribe, and nation. And you see, because They had this hope, this living hope and a God who is present and a God who is all about resurrection. Because of this, they lived in a different way. On Easter Sunday, today, we gather to remember our living hope. And we gather also to reignite this hope within ourselves, so that we might experience life in a completely new way. As Peter writes, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. By his great mercy, he has given us a new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. Amen.